Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. My name is Tim Birch and well, we're on location again. Uh, this time we're in Las Vegas uh, at Trimble Dimensions. And it's pretty bad when you got to come, well, most of the way across the country uh, to run into uh, to fellow surveyors that uh, you've been trying to get nailed down because it's just been a little bit too busy. But uh, bottom line is that uh, these guys have been uh, knocking it out of the park. And uh, we, actually, we've got one, uh, Mr. Ben Shinneberry. He's a returning guest. He was on before. Um, uh, company's QK. QK4 out of Louisville, Kentucky. It is, it is Louisville. Mm -hmm. I've been dealing with so many people on different uh, different places that I didn't really remember if it was Louisville. Louisville. Yes. Oh. <laughs> that was good. You, you pronounced Louisville. it enough. You slurred it enough. Yes. Yeah. Can't put the can't do the Louisville. L Louisville. <laughs> well, and everybody small tangent, but everybody keeps saying, you know, I'm from Illinois. Yes. <laughs> knock it off. Knock it off. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, let's go around the table. Mr. Ben, just give us a little bit of uh, who you are and what's your background. Sure. I'm Ben Shinneberry, uh, licensed surveyor in Kentucky. I run our survey department for QK4 engineers. All right. The big man with the deep voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm Luke Woodyard. I'm a LSIT in Kentucky. I uh, work for QK4 as a party chief and our scanning specialist. And we'll get into our, well, Luke helped us out last spring with some stuff and we'll talk about that in a little bit but last but certainly not least uh ethan carr uh also for qk4 and crew chief uh most recent i guess crew chief addition to the qk4 team uh lsit and enjoying it well congratulations for one i appreciate you tagging along with this uh this couple of bandits here <laughs> with us but uh no, the, really the big reason we wanted to talk about was some of the things that have been going on. Uh, it has been a crazy year, uh, weather-wise and such. Um, I'll tell you what, first off, Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about QK4 and what, you know, tell us about the firm, what, what primarily you do, and then let's, we'll jump right into the story of why we're sitting here and talking about uh, some of the wonderful things you guys have been up to. Sure. Our company does land surveying for engineering, and our main client, one of our main clients, is the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet. They do all of the handle all of the infrastructure within Kentucky as the DOT, and we have been surveying several hundred bridges for them and their infrastructure uh, work to make bridges more safe for the general public. And back this summer, at the end of July, there were some tremendous floods in eastern Kentucky 
that the floods were so high that they cleared out bridges and just washed them away. So we had contracts with the transportation cabinet and were on call and ready to help. And when you're in an emergency situation like that, uh, the floods happen and the next day you get the call that we need help to replace bridges because bridges washed out and people are stranded across the creek or the river. And so the faster we can act, then they can be repaired. The diversion can be in place so that people can have access to food and water and, and other needs. Wow. Uh, and I guess that's the part that, that just blew me away uh, when you, know, you were first talking about uh, some of the stuff you were doing posted a couple of things really a shout out to your to your crew uh that was really out here doing a lot of this work um i guess you know the, you know part of the thing is that you know we're talking it's funny that fema now no longer talks about storms in 100 year intervals 500 year intervals because right. it's you know we they're they're happening a lot more than once in every 500 years but uh, luke why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the conditions you were coming up against, and uh, really, what what is it like to to survey when I mean th- there's still water coming. There's still I mean there's still a lot of I mean and and then just to be into that that environment. Um, yeah. So I mean it it took a lot of the tools in our toolbox that we had um, when you're rolling into stuff like that. I mean, you know, a lot of the times we joke and say there's no such thing as a survey emergency, but this was this was really an emergency, and these people needed this stuff um, as fast as we could pump it out. And, you know, we're rolling into a, a site where not only the bridges are gone, but, you know, parts of the roadway are totally, you know, just washed out. So it's, you know, it might take you two hours to get to a bridge that would normally take you 15 minutes because you've got to take a back road to get there. And then you're dealing wow. with, you know, the power outages because the power poles that have washed away and the cell phone towers being down and things like that. So you're really, you know, working your brain and figuring out, you know, the best way to get this bridge surveyed and the most accurate that you can do it so they know what they need to do to come back in and replace it as fast as they can. And it's, it's you know, it was very tiring and very um, wearing on us, but, you know, we all felt very accomplished at the end of it knowing that we'd surveyed, it was like 40-something bridges. It was like 40-something bridges within a week. I mean, you know, there was five crews we were running out there, and it was, uh, you know, just banging them out as fast as we can and uh, trying to help these people out and seeing the situations that they're stuck in, you know, with everything just totally lost. Uh, probably the most amazing thing out of all of it was the ingenuity they had. I mean, there was a lot of sites we rolled up to. Ethan's got some photos of a couple sites. You know, he rolled up, and the bridge was totally gone, but they'd already gone to the back 40 and cut timber and built their own bridge across so they could get in and out of where they needed to and get grandma food and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, these people were in a hard spot, but they persevered and they fought through it and were very happy to see us and anything we needed. You know, they wanted to help make sure we were, you know, had water and everything like that. It was great. Wow. Uh, Amazing. Well, Ethan, I guess from your perspective, I mean, what's it like rolling up onto a site like that and... I mean, it, well, and I guess the other question I have for for uh, all of you in, in dealing with it was uh, the, the safety of yourself. I mean, and being able to get to where you needed to be to, to collect that data. But, I mean, what was it like rolling up onto there? And it's like, uh, the, and these people have lost uh, lost everything. 
Yeah, it's a it's a pretty wild sight when you uh, roll up on a bridge and there's just you know the only thing that's left is you know the abutments coming up to it and you know the approach and you know the bridge decks you know land you know might be a couple hundred feet down but downstream and uh, you know just land totally sideways. Uh, and as Luke was talking about, you know some of the ingenuity that you saw uh, coming out of there, it was it was pretty incredible. And on a funny side note, there was one that we uh, had rolled up to in the bridge deck was collecting all this trash, you know, that was coming downstream from, you know, all the debris and stuff that were flooding. And uh, they'd actually, I guess, been able to crawl across the trash to get to the other side. And they sent somebody uh, to, I guess, a hardware store that was still open and uh, got some cables and some pulleys and stuff. And they actually set up a homemade zip line. And uh, so we were over there, we're uh, trying to get set and we're like, you know, have you guys been getting back and forth across? And they're like, oh, you can either take your chance coming across the trash pile or we can hoist you across on this zip line and you know it wasn't a very big cable and we're like i don't know we're not not real sure about that and they're like oh joe he lives down the street he's 380 if he's an ounce he came across it fine you <laughs> you're lighter than that it'll be all right you'll make it through just fine oh my goodness um well and i guess that's i mean speak to speak to the condition of the bridges i mean it Depending on which one you rolled up to, I mean, what, you know, the abutments being, you know, like I said, washed out, the decks are washed out. I mean, it, it was probably, I mean, probably every one was its own challenge. I mean, yeah, it, it looked like a war zone. I mean, in all honesty, like cars just tossed down the creek, school buses rolled, houses. You know, the, the first bridge we rolled up on, you know, we got there and the deck was still on it. But there was about a 15-foot span where it washed the wing wall, the total backside of the wing wall, all the way out of the bridge. And, uh, you know, somebody built a little wooden ladder to climb up there, and I guess one of the inspectors, and we were all joking, you know, it's all oh, this, this OSHA approved, and it's kind of like, you know it's not OSHA approved, but, you know, it's, you know, how, how else do you get up on top of this bridge deck to get survey shots on it? And, you know, that's one thing where we're lucky, and, you know, we have a deep tool bag that we can pull stuff out of, and we're able to set up our, you know, our SX-10 scan and take, you know, reflectorless shots across this deck and keep us safe, because, you know, a lot of these, you know, like Ethan's talking about the one with the trash pile. One day we got there and the trash pile was there, and, you know, I'm not going to send a SX-10 across a zip line that, you know, Joe made down the street. <laughs> so we were trying to figure out how we are going to get across that, and, you know, the next day we showed up and the county had already come through and tore the whole trash pile out. So now it's like, well, how do we really get across this, and how are we going to get these survey shots that are needed? Um, but just every, you know, every bridge you rolled up to was a totally different scene, and some of them you got to, and it's kind of like, well, this, you know, doesn't look too bad until you get down underneath of it and see that, you know, all the footers are totally gone. You don't really know what's holding the bridge up. It's like, well, I just walked across that. Probably should have, you know, taken a peek underneath before I got on it. But it's just wild to see, you know, the different stages of how the flood affected, you know, that's such a small area in reality to, you know, one, you know, one street might be bridge totally gone and houses totally gone the next street over. You know, the bridge deck's gone, but all the houses are still standing. So you just, you know, you don't know what you're rolling into and what you're going to see. Oh, exactly. Well, and, and you were talking about the technology that you're bringing in. So I'm, I'm going to turn it back to you, Ben, because that's something that uh, I, that I think it's been, you know, you've, you've, you've made it pretty well known with your, with your staff and, and your company, the technology that you're investing in. And having the right tools in the toolbox for, the, for I mean, just jobs under normal circumstances. Um, 
in your estimation, I mean, in and and doing the right training, providing providing the the, the right equipment, in your estimation, I mean, did this? I got to believe this helped the the job at hand, trying to roll up and do and, and locate these bridges. Sure. The important thing to consider with, with any technology is having an intelligent person to run it. So we can provide equipment that will do the job, but like Luke said, every bridge situation was unique. So you have to put trust in the field crew to make the decision and adapt to the situation, which as land surveyors, we do all the time. You know, every job is unique. They share characteristics, but you have experience to make the right decision for the right environment. So some jobs we may use the scanner, some jobs we may use GPS, uh, you know, using a VRS system, but if you don't have mobile uh, data and there's no um, mobile data out there, then you're gonna have to set up a static session and put it on coordinates and then use the tools that are given with intelligence. But more than that, um, what impressed me about the field crew is in the midst of the emergency, you know, people were spending over and above the normal time and the normal energy and working hard for the betterment of the community. And a lot of times the field crew members don't get the credit for the hard work that they put in. And this situation with a natural disaster and rough environment for the people living there, time was <coughs> against us and having field crew members that you push to the limit and working long hours in difficult situations without complaint was the thing that impressed me the most. Yeah, I, 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 I just, like I said, I can't imagine what, what you guys rolled up on and, and to see, um, you know, being able to, to assess what tools were needed, like you said, use the right tool for the, for the job. If, it's, if you need a plot set of pliers instead of a hammer, that's what you use. Um, Ethan, what was it like rolling up and, and just, I guess, also then just, you're trying to do your job, but then you're also seeing the destruction around you and, and the people that live there and trying to, I guess, trying to have some compassion from for them while you're trying, you're there to do a job, but if they needed help, you help them. If you need, they, whatever needed to get done, um, you know, like, like Ben said, going above and beyond, um, I guess... <clears throat> How does that how does that uh, affect you as a, as a crew member trying to trying to get a job done? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very surreal when you you know you're rolling up and you're seeing just all this destruction, and it's just it's so hard to put yourself in the position of you know to think you know what are they actually going through? I mean, there's houses that are just totally gone. You know, I mean they've just they've lost everything, and you know they're not worried about what they've lost. 
and you know they're out there and they're running around and they're trying to help their neighbor or whoever else and you know it's like you know here you are you know you, you've lost pretty much everything you have but you're still you know being selfless and help trying to help out your neighbor and yeah uh like while we were there you know we were doing whatever we could you know we were helping them you know they'd roll up we'd you know help them unload water and some other stuff just supplies just trying you know get it into like a little bit of downtime uh you know, just doing whatever we could in addition to trying to get the, the survey work done. And I got to believe there were there were days when the rains still came and you were still dealing with with stuff coming downstream and, and, and dealing with all of that. Um, I guess, Luke, I mean, how do you persevere through that? I mean, like I said, you're... You, at the end of the day, when you're tired, you're you're going to go back to the motel. You're going to have a, a, a nice dry bed. You're going to have a, 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 a change of clothes, mm-hmm. you know. But yet you're working around people that they've lost everything. Yeah, I mean, it, it just puts you into perspective of how good you have it. I mean, like you know, we're where we live at. We're about three hours away from where everything got flooded. So we we were traveling and staying in a hotel at night. But just to know that you know I've got a home to go back to and I still have everything at the house. It didn't really matter, you know, what I had to go through. Anything I could do to help you know these people out in just any way, shape, or form. Whether that was just you know I think we spent forty minutes one day just handing buckets up a bridge to get it across the you know the deck was still there but you know they didn't have any way to get all the supplies over there so we just loaded the bridge up and got it up there for them and like just anything you know anything you can do and it was just you know just even thinking back about it now it was so unreal that we're we're there to work and they know we're there to work and they've just lost everything they have and they're trying to work on their house but yet they're still coming out like well you know what, what all do you need to get this bridge surveyed so we can get it back in here you know it's it's kind of funny because it's like the one time the property owner is extremely happy to see somebody surveying their land and not trying to run you off the run you off they, they want you there they they know you're there to help and it's, exactly yeah. well and i guess that was going to be my next question to 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 you and ethan was um yes you're there to help them if they need help either there you're there to do a job but also that and, and you know, not to sound, you know, the, the what we always hear from the lawyers that we always try to discount, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. You're there to do a job, get this data collected, um, and, and there's there's no going back. Yeah. So it's it's finding that that fine line of yes, we have enough data to get this thing done. Um, I, I suppose that to me that had to be a, a tough decision on. Yep, we've got enough. We need to move on. We need to get this data back to, back to the office, and then we need to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could uh, speak toward that. Yeah, because, yeah. Please do. Um, please do. Know, we we get the call <laughs> as far as managers go, and n- normally a bridge survey may take a few weeks, and then the data comes back to the office, and you have a few weeks before the deadline, and then the engineers have that information, and it takes them some time and then it goes out to construction this schedule what their expectations and hopes were was survey the bridge one day so start to finish not having any control on site start that day and finish it that day upload the data so that we could model the bridge the next day 
so that the bridge engineers could design the bridge the third day and order the beams the fourth day. So to start a project and have it ordered in less than a week, but do that for as many bridges that were washed out. So the time that I told our guys, there, were, there was not any other specialized survey crew that could do that kind of work with that kind of schedule and that kind of turnaround. So, but we see that with all across the nation, disasters come in and surveyors pick up their tools and go to work for the help of the community. And to say they're still fixing houses out there, they're still repairing things, you know, months later, people are still working through uh, cleaning up and fixing and getting everything back uh, to the way that it needs to be. Wow. How many how many crews were out in this effort? So we have six crews at QK4. Uh, we also work with other engineering firms that have survey crews and have done bridge work. And so every uh, all of the companies, I think there were probably 10 or 12 companies, and that includes surveyors, uh, bridge engineers, um, the program management from KYTC and their efforts, and all the way from administration down to the boots on the ground. Nice. And, you know, we had people within the company go out and donate their time to help people clear out their houses and scrub for mold and tear out drywall that was, you know, soaked. And the volunteering effort um, was week long and, you know, people going and volunteering their time. But from my perspective, when we are working within our profession, the value of the work that we do to put a bridge back, you have to have a surveyor do that work so that a bridge engineer has to be the one to engineer the solution. And a contractor has to be the one to put it together. So we can donate time to help, um, you know, clear things and clean things and wash. But because of our profession, we were the right people to help in that situation. Absolutely. Um, I guess a question just out of curiosity. Yes, there's a four-day turnaround to get, you know, from survey to ordering beams. Was there any any of these bridge sites that suffered additional damage in the in in that even that that uh, the mean that turnaround time? Because that would be my my fear is that you you do that survey as as complete as you absolutely possibly think it should be done. Get the data back. And another rainstorm comes, and there's just something that did, still gives way, or you know, more head walls or something. Hopefully, that that didn't come across. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we really had any um, extra rain issue like that would cause anything to change. You know, from day to day um, on a bridge. Now there were we did have a few instances that everything was moving so fast. Um, we would you know we would find you know we were kind of doing a bridge a day. 
Um, or if we could do two, you know, if it was a small bridge and we were able to do two, we'd do two a day. Um, but it always ended up we'd always go look at our next bridge after we got that first one done. We'd just go check out and kind of lay eyes on it. That way you can, you know, a surveyor's lay in bed all night and think about what we're going to work on the next day. Um, yep. But you'd go look at it and you'd come back out the next day and construction crew, you know, had come through that night or cleanup crew had come through that night and they tore out your you know, your gravel path that was laying down at the bottom of the creek that was the old bridge deck, and you're like, well, crap, now how am I going to, you know, I'm going to have to break the waders out to cross the creek now where I was going to have a nice dry foot, you know, to walk across it. So, you know, that's what we ran into more or less than, you know, any extra natural changes. It was just, you know, the, the cleanup that people were trying to help with. And, you know, it was a good effort, but it did make it a little more difficult on our end. Sure. Well, uh, I guess I'm background to you, Ethan. I guess I'm curious some of the the variety of of uh transportation methods did you guys have to use i mean are we talking john boats we talking canoes we talk i mean it's water you got to get across it sometimes so what uh what are all the different methods did you guys end up having to employ to to try to get around the the entire bridge sites uh, as, as far as uh, all the bridges that I was on, we were able to either get across what was left of the bridge <coughs> deck or where, you know, the contractors had come through and cleaned up what was left of the bridge deck. Uh, they would actually take the bridge beam and turn it on its side and lay it across, and you could walk across that ah, there you go. and get get most of the way across. Uh, but, yeah, it was either that or uh, on some of the other ones, you know, it was, you know, bridge deck was kind of holding on you know leaning at an angle and you could you know walk out to the end of it and then somebody had made a homemade bridge you know going from there uh, to the other side like you said home homemade ingenuity yeah. a lot of times wow the, the carpenters are out there there were three or four of them i rolled up on that had catwalks built already across the bridge and i stand out there with all the other engineers and they're looking at everything i'm like who brought the catwalk with them i was so and so up the hill you know he had a bunch of lumber laying around and brought it down here and built it while we were standing here it's you know it's pretty sturdy so it's like well all right that works for me as long as it's going to hold us up Uh, well and ben i guess that speaks to the effectiveness of the crews and their training and knowing what to get hopefully that made it that much easier on the office staff to get it drafted to get it to the engineers and get this uh get the process keep it rolling yes and we talked about it in our own team meetings that the schedule was important and what you know you have to make a decision when you're standing on site what you visibly know is going to remain and what is destroyed and we don't need an existing condition on a bridge deck that's 200 feet down the creek because it's not a part of the solution so the important things were uh, where is the existing road What's the span of the creek? What's the elevation of the bridge so that they can be above a floodplain? <laughs> Those kind of things that were critical information for that bridge design. And then trusting the field crew to collect what they needed to in the fastest, most efficient way and move on to the next one. You, you have to be able to trust and rely on those judgment calls in the field. And from the entire team, from the state and the administrative team and the uh, survey managers down to the field crew, uh, we all know that we were tired, we were irritable, 
you know, frustrated at times, working hard, burn out a little bit, um, but we were working for the cause together. So everyone put in as much as they could, and that really, I, I believe, is the most important thing. Absolutely. No, I guess, though, you know, one question I would have, um, one, one kind of follow-up to all of this process, um, were, were most of these bridges just simple enough that, yeah, once the plans were done, throw it to a contractor, they get the beams ordered, and it, get, it gets all put back together? Or did you have to have any, any of these have to have crews to go back and help lay out some of these things? We did have some uh, more complex bridges and, you know, there were some with utilities that mm-hmm. utilities were damaged and uh, some that they wanted to repair with a certain uh, style of bridge, but overhead utilities were constrained in construction. Um, each bridge was different and provided unique aspects to it. Um, a lot was dependent on the contractors, so contractors adapted and took the plans that were given, and now those bridges are sturdy, uh, you know, strong, provide for good access across, and are good replacements. Um, and you only get that from starting off with good survey. Oh, exactly. Um, well, and I guess I, I would be amiss if I didn't didn't ask you all as as surveyors uh, uh, for the future. Uh, I mean, what's obviously there's always the likelihood we're going to have floods again. Um, from your perspective, what do we need? To, I mean, what could be done as far as topographic surveys? Uh, you know, we always fight in this uh, battle in this country with our, our outdated FEMA maps. Is is there anything that could be done as far as a, a, a bigger inventory as far as topographic maps on you know where where some of these problem areas could lie? I mean, I guess that's I'm curious to hear your perspective on the flooding itself. Um, because it could come, it it could easily happen again with something big enough. Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, I've heard war stories and stuff about you know, Eastern Kentucky is kind of a, a hardship area as is, and with all the mining and everything goes on like that, you know, they've unregulated um, dumping of topsoil and and fill and things like that. Um, but as far as going as watching and kind of predicting these flood issues, um, the state of Kentucky as a LIDAR across the whole state. So, I mean, we could, I think that could be something that could be used most definitely to kind of predict or look at, you know, pinch points or things like that, that um, we could run water analysis on with AutoCAD or, or some type of software to figure out, well, you know, this is an area that could be problematic. We need to go in and do some change here uh, preemptively to help, you know, you know, 500 year flood, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to cause this much backup. What can we do to really open this up and help fix this? And, you know, part of our, um, work at QK4, um, we do a lot of work on stream restoration stuff. So going in and grading out these streams that have, or doing the survey for companies that go in and do these stream restorations where they grade the banks out and try to take the stream back and slow the water down. So it's not building up so much flooding and things like that. Right. Well, I guess that's, you know, you know, it's one thing the uh, a resident is going to see this flood. Obviously, they, they 
they see it and they, they know it's going to da- what it's going to damage. I guess I'm just kind of kind of curious from the surveyor's perspective of you're out there you're you're surveying these bridges, <laughs> but yet you're seeing you're seeing all this water and what you know what possibly could be done differently if you know if we're going to back, go back and reconst- reconstruct. It sounds like it's too broad of an area to really. I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there are places that could things could be changed, things could be mitigated a little bit differently. I'm just curious how that could be handled. And the state has uh, consulting firms that are running those analysis, especially now after the flood, and looking at areas. And with any disaster, you learn how to adapt and what constraints that you know may be in place that trying to mitigate those disasters in the future but a lot of things are unpredictable and so you have to react uh, in the best way and bringing our guys we've done bridge surveys for the past two and a half (coughs) years so learning how to efficiently survey a bridge site and all of the aspects you know, locating the roadway and guardrail and creek sections and substructure and superstructure of the bridge and utilities, all of those things, the experience that they had moving up to this one event prepared them to be able to address it. So, um, no, in speaking to all the surveyors in the nation and around the world, know that the everyday topographic survey that you may be performing is may just be preparing you for a natural disaster that you will be the right person for that response because of the knowledge and experience you have wow well said very well said um ethan i'm going to bring it back to you for a second Uh, after this experience uh is the rest of your survey career going to be a piece of cake (laughs) Uh, I don't know I mean you never know you know what the future holds Uh, I think it's definitely prepared all of the QK4 survey team to be able to better tackle you know problems that we will have in the future and you know put you in that you know that challenging mindset so when you do roll up on a project where you know the bridge is gone or you know some other kind of natural disaster or some you know, just any project that has something out of the ordinary, it, you know, is just good practice for us for, uh, you know, being able to look at it from a different perspective and, okay, how are we going to tackle this and how are we going to get it done in the time that it needs to be done in? Very well said. So all your projects since then have been just boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been uh, an eye-opening experience and for me and in hearing this because... Um, like I said, I just I knew a little bit of the story, and I I really wanted to, I wanted you all to, to to share it in your own words because, uh, like you said, Ben, this is this is some of the stuff that we are responsible for going out accurately mapping and being part of the solution, and you're you're spot on with your comments that you know we we are a critical critical part of infrastructure whether you know whether people. Surveyors around the world re- realize it or not. This is a big part of what who we are and what we do. Yeah, and people still need help down there. So, you know, really anywhere that 
um, surveyors are around the nation, we can always look for ways that we can help people in our own communities. So take this as a lesson to or an encouragement to reach out to someone that may need your help even now. So uh, it may not be a natural disaster, but people everywhere need help. So take this as an encouragement to reach out. Exactly. Um, th- that That is a, a perfect segue also for uh, uh, just a little a little uh, shout out to the uh, the NSPS Foundation. We have a natural uh, a disaster relief fund um, that that is set up specifically for uh, helping surveyors in these areas that have, have, have suffered these types of of uh, disasters. Uh, if they, if they need if they need a little extra help while insurance is is uh, getting things cleaned up, that's what it's there for and. Um, you know, like, like I like to tell people, you know, making that donation, um, you never know when you might be the surveyor that need that needs that some someday in the future. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, I did tease it. I did. I'm going to promise it um, that uh, Luke actually was. Uh, I got to know him a little bit this last spring. Uh, I just wanted to follow up because we do have uh, the registration for the the. 2023 uh, student comp- NSPS student competition is going to be coming up, and Luke was part of the team, the, the young surveying team that uh, that helped us in uh, Washington D.C. last year. And um, I got to tell you that uh, it was getting it was fun getting to know you a little bit there, and yeah. uh, and the rest of the team. Um, look forward to seeing you again. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethan and I look forward to coming back. You know, it's a it's a total blast. Um, if you're listen to this and your state has a young surveyors network you know in it um reach out to those guys and help them grow that network and help them you know better this profession you know that's that's going to be the next step the next big step in this profession is the next generation and uh, being able to sponsor these young surveyors or some college team you know any type of college you have in your your state you know if you can sponsor them to send students to this competition it's very eye-opening and a very good experience to get them into well, in the twist this year, we're gonna we're gonna open it up a little bit more. It's going to be the four-year colleges, the two-year programs, and we're gonna open it up to high school uh, teams as well. That uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, we had a lot of great feedback from last year. I think we did have a good time last year, and oh, yeah. and everybody enjoyed themselves. So, uh, shout out to the young surveyors for really making that that whole competition really worked last year and uh, we look forward to doing it again and look forward to having you gentlemen back along with us. So, well, uh, I, I will say, and I'll, I'll say this uh, boldly for um, uh, all surveyors and uh, actually all humanity, uh, <laughs> thanks for the, your hard work and what you did here. This was, uh, this was uh, no small feat, uh, doing what you needed to do to, to help your, your, your Fellow Kentucky citizen um, that were really needed in a in a in a in a, in a horrible time in their lives. So, mm-hmm. thank you uh, for going above and beyond. And uh, we I don't know that we can thank you enough. All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, we'll try to wrap. We'll, we're going to try to see what we can more damage we can do here at uh, Trimble Dimensions. A lot of things going on. A lot of uh, great classes. Um, I'll be bumping into these fellas uh, probably on and off for the next couple of days. And uh, who knows, we might just uh, have ourselves a couple of beverages here shortly. So uh, um, 
That'll wrap it up for here. Um, This has been your host, Tim Birch, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor. Surveyor.